We have escaped Egypt. We have crossed the Red Sea. We have received the Ten Commandments. And now, in this week's Torah portion, Mishpatim, we learn of the many other laws that God gave the Israelites on Mount Sinai. Tonight, I would like to focus on one law in particular. The text should be printed in your Shabbat handout so that you can follow along with me, particularly if you're a visual learner. So Exodus 22 reads as follows. Vager lotone, you shall not cheat a stranger and you shall not oppress him for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. If you should lend money to my people, to the poor among you, you shall not be to him like a creditor. You shall not impose interest on him. If you should decide to take in pledge your fellow man's cloak, before the sun comes down, you shall return it to him, for it is his sole covering. It is his cloak for his skin. In what can he sleep? And so when he cries out to me, I will hear him, for I am compassionate. There are three critical elements to this law in Exodus. The first comes in the second verse. If you should lend money to my people, to the poor among you, you shall not be to him like a creditor. You shall not impose interest on him. The rabbinic commentators emphasize that while the Hebrew is im, is if, if you should lend money, it should really be read as ka'asher, as when, when you lend money. It is not a conditional statement, something that you may one day choose to do. Rather, it is an inevitability, a mitzvah, a duty. It's absolute. One cannot choose whether or not to lend to the poor. One has to. And when it happens, the lender cannot charge interest. As medieval scholar Ibn Ezra teaches, the Hebrew word for interest, neshech, comes from the same root as the verb to bite, because interest takes a bigger bite out of you minute by minute. So that's number one, no interest on loans to the impoverished. Number two follows, if you should decide to take in pledge your fellow man's cloak, before the sun comes down, you shall return it to him, for it is his sole covering. So if the lender decides to take collateral for the loan, if it's something that is critical to the recipient's well-being, in this case, clothing, the lender should let the recipient use it at night so that he can see, sleep safely and warmly. In the Midrash, in the rabbinic commentary, Rabbi Ishmael says, the Torah wishes to teach you that if you do your duty, you are entitled to take what is yours. In other words, it's a balancing act between the two parties, the lender and the recipient. While the Torah protects the needy from exploitation, it also insists on protecting the generous giver from being taken advantage of. The lender is also entitled to safeguard her money for her benefit 
and also for the benefit of future borrowers who may also want to take advantage of a low interest loan. So that's number two, that you can ask for collateral, but you have to make sure that the person is still safe and well. Lastly, number three, is that this law is preceded by a key phrase. You shall not cheat a stranger and you shall not oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. The Torah connects this law about finance to the history of the Israelites. Because we were oppressed in the past, we should have to empathize with and protect those who are oppressed today. Another medieval rabbi, Nachmanides, teaches the borrower is like a slave to the lender. But you must act in every way as if he had never borrowed a penny from you. You must loan to him as an act of generosity, getting no profit from him either in honor or in money. So beyond avoiding impoverishment, the ultimate goal of this law seems to be both to avoid humiliating the recipient and to make sure that you help her become self-sufficient. With these three ideas, these core principles, it's powerful to witness the layers of ethical issues that arise from just one law in Exodus. And it begs the question, how do we enact this mitzvah, this obligation today? in 21st century San Francisco. I should take a moment to clarify, in case you were worried, that I am not advocating for Exodus to shape American fiscal policy. My father-in-law, where is David? My father-in-law is a banker, and I do understand the value of charging reasonable interest on a loan. And as a student of Jewish history, I appreciate that for centuries, Jews survived by being moneylenders. While the rabbis understood Exodus to only apply to loans to the poor, Christians interpreted the same verse as applying to any and all loans. They prohibited Christians in Europe from ever charging interest. So, like Shakespeare's Shylock, or like the Rothschilds, Jews often served as the bankers of Christian Europe. Having said all that, communally, there is a way in the contemporary world that we have historically enacted this mitzvah, this obligation, and it's Hebrew free loan societies. Since the 19th century, Jewish communities throughout the United States established Hebrew free loan societies inspired by the commandment to give interest-free loans to members of the Jewish community in need. Here in San Francisco, our Hebrew Free Loan Association was established in 1897 to help the city's immigrant population, primarily Eastern European immigrants, to accomplish their modest dreams, like starting a small business or buying small goods to sell, or paying for a relative to relocate to the West Coast. My favorite example is the hundreds of Eastern European immigrants who received small loans in the 1920s to establish Petaluma chicken farms just north of us. 
most of the Petaluma chicken farmers, particularly before World War II, were Jewish. The San Francisco Hebrew Free Loan Association helped weave together the fabric of Bay Area Jewish life, and its efforts continue today. It currently has approximately 1,000 loans out in the community for almost $7 million, and over 99% of their loans are repaid. On this Shabbat Mishpatim, during this Torah portion throughout the Bay Area, congregations are taking the opportunity to learn about the important work of the Hebrew Free Loan Association. And we're one of them. This is not just Shabbat Mishpatim, it's also known in the Jewish calendar as Shabbat Shekelim. It takes place as we near the holiday of Purim in the month of Adar, and it's named after shekel, like today's uh, Israeli currency, a monetary unit. Because once a year, the Israelites would take a census, and every adult male in the community would have to contribute half a shekel for the maintenance of the temple in Jerusalem. They all had to contribute the same amount. Everyone had to put in a half shekel, whether they were rich or poor. Everyone contributed the same. They were all united in their obligation to support the burgeoning Israelite nation. So at first, this tradition of Shabbat Shekalim seems to conflict with our Exodus law. For Shabbat Shekalim, everyone gives the same thing. Everyone gives a half shekel. But in Exodus, the wealthy subsidize the poor. Not everyone is equal. But on closer inspection, I think that the two actually complement each other. While those with more resources are obligated to help those who have less, Jewish law demands accountability from both sides. We are all responsible. No one is exempt from contributing to the welfare of society and the maintenance of our community. In many ways, when we feel like we have nothing to give, or when society treats us like we have nothing to give, then we are like slaves. But when we all must contribute something in our own way, when we all feel like we have something of value to offer to the community, when we all have the honor of obligation of the mitzvot, then we are free. In Torah, Jewish history and even the mundane laws of finance weave together to preserve the ultimate value of Jewish, the ultimate Jewish value of human dignity. We can't think about how we handle money without also considering how it affects the most vulnerable sectors of society. And we can't remember where we have come from without also thinking about how we are treating people in the present, in our community, and how in the future we want to create a society together. Shabbat Shalom. <laughs>